everyone. Welcome to the Bio Breakthroughs podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Uh, joining me today is Gadi Saroni, the Chief Executive Officer at Edvara. Gadi, how are you today? I'm doing great. And Jared, thanks for having me. Hope you're well. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm excited for us to chat. So let's well dive in. Tell the audience about you. So, um, wow. You know, that's a loaded question, by the way. It's a loaded statement, right? So the, the abridged version is I'm the CEO at Advara, have been here at the helm for the last uh, four years, have been in the clinical research industry for well over 20 years and spent much of my career at Parexcel, a large CRO, where I really led everything from phase one through phase four, deep, deep into the machinations of clinical research and how it's conducted. What's, what led you to Edvara? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a great question, Jared, because I, I have actually reflected on Now I've been here for, you know, again, over three years, three and a half years. You know, one, I'm really passionate about clinical research. So one of the things that was important to me is I wanted to stay in clinical research. The second piece is that, look, I was, you know, it's actually quite interesting. I never entered my career, entered my life with this vision or ganter of I needed to be a CEO. It's an opportunity that fell in my lap. And when I looked at the opportunity, beyond the fact that it had to be in the clinical research space, two other things really rose to the top. One, who are you working with? Um, and by that, I really mean, first and foremost, the colleagues, the organization, and Advar was a client at Parkcell, or rather a provider to Parkcell. So I knew Advar very well, the quality of the work that they've done, the importance that they play in the clinical research ecosystem. But the second piece was the board, the investors. Look, they are the ones you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and I always tell everyone, it's great to work with competent people. It's also really nice to work with nice people. Um, and they ticked all the boxes. And that's what made me sort of make that change. What's really interesting is, you know, you were at your, your last company for 15 plus years. Uh, making making that jump is you know nowadays you see a lot of people kind of switching every every few years what what was it like though obviously you said you had some comfortability with like the with with the company already uh, already knowing them but what what were some of the when you first took the role let's let's that's where i'm getting at here what were some of the biggest challenges that you kind of faced and how did you move past those you know it's it's uh so Jared, right i'm of a generation where you didn't hop jobs every other year. Um, by the way, I'm not saying that generation was better or worse. There's a lot to be said about getting a lot of experience by jumping around. But I think there, the challenge is, look, first of all, I came from an organization where I led a team of 10,000 people in 53 countries, um, moving to an organization that um, was roughly at the time when I, by the way, joined, we had about 650 people, um, mostly US-based. And it was a young company, a young company that came about through um, a lot of acquisitions, but acquisitions of small companies. So challenge one is how do you professionalize a small organization and make it act, behave, perform as a large organization? The second one was how do you take the um, amalgamation of small companies and a bunch of small companies don't make a big company. They make a bunch of small companies in a big company. Uh, how do you consolidate that? How do you integrate that? How do you make sure that you create an Advar culture 
without losing the local culture of all these organizations who are very entrepreneurial, have brought a lot to the table, have phenomenal people. That's a challenge. Um, I would also say one of the challenges and one of the reasons why it was so exciting to join is, and what's next? Advar has been very successful in the IRB space. Um, the IRB being the, um, the review boards, the work that we do on ethical reviews. But how do we expand our TAM? How do we go into different areas? How do we go into different markets? By the way, different markets, both from a perspective of across the value chain, but also globally beyond the US. Um, so to me, those were the challenges, but that's also what made it so exciting. And, and while we're on the topic of, of challenges, let's, let's talk about, I can't believe we're already at the end of 2023. So let's talk about heading into 2024. What are some of the challenges facing clinical research, uh, clinical trials research still? You know, it's, Jared, it's a, it's a great question. And unfortunately, the same answer I'm gonna give you today is the answer I had to give 20 years ago. The reality is that the science is running much faster than the process of developing a product or developing a drug. Um, and there are a bunch of issues there and then I'll get into them in a second. But I think that when you look at it from a, just a very basic level, starting a trial still takes way too long. Enrolling patients rarely hits target you rarely hit your enrollment curve that you had planned on. Um, those issues are the same today as they were 20 years ago. Now, there are a myriad of challenges. Developing drugs is really, really difficult. The process is really complicated. The number of stakeholders, the number of um, systems, processes, the regulatory oversight. So there are, there are very good reasons for it, but the reality is that we haven't solved for those two basic problems. And, I would say when you look at study startup, we've actually exasperated the problems in some respects. Um, I will tell you that the introduction of the electronic data capture some years ago was really the first real innovation. But at the end of the day, you're still doing things exactly the same way, except you're capturing it in an ADC system. What have we done over the last five years? We've introduced many more systems, many more technologies. Um, and those things are supposed to simplify things. But at the end of the day, I think they complexified some stuff. Um, when you talk to sites today, the burden, and this, is, this came out in the, in the study, that 67% of the respondents actually said that today is more burdensome for them to conduct a clinical trial than it was five years ago. Many of them, by the way, are telling us that all they're doing is swivel chair. They're going from one system entering the data, moving to another system entering the data. And the reality is that they have their own systems and we're foisting more systems on them. We're foisting more vendors on them. And that's actually more complex than it should be. Some of them are also telling you that, look, they've become vendor managers, not clinical trial managers. Um, and look, that's when you look at um, study startup, it's clear when you have to stand up more systems, when you have to train on more systems, when you have to figure out how to move data from one system to another because there aren't common data structures, because the system that I have in-house and I have to use, it's mandated that I use, is not the same the system that the sponsor or the CRO mandates that I use. All that creates complexity. When you look at patient enrollment, and Jared, I'm way oversimplifying it, but when you look at patient enrollment, the reality is that many of these investigators who've joined clinical trials and want to do clinical trials want to do it because they want to do research and because they want to help patients. 
Um, and they're not spending enough time with patients. They're not spending enough time engaging with the community, engaging with the staff, engaging with the potential patient. So no wonder you're not hitting the, those enrollment curves. You know, you're focusing on process and system, not on the patient. Well said, uh, Gaddy. And uh, really, really interesting. Um, I, I always, when I ask people the, what challenges are we facing type questions, it is interesting to hear that a lot of challenges still exist though from even years ago, right? Like I think to the outside, to outsiders, it's not always, you, you can't solve every challenge either, right? Like some challenges you're always gonna take in stride and you're gonna have to continue to face them head on year in and year out um, along with some new ones. So um, I really I really appreciate your response to that. That was great. I, I do wanna make sure um, we, we also dive into, you had a recent site survey, uh, site activation survey. Let's talk about what the implications of that were. Um, give us kind of a snapshot of that. Look, I think the, the high-level implication is that um, we, the industry, is burdening sites. Um, the reality is, and look, I, by the way, I'm a huge believer in various modalities of conducting clinical trials. I think there's room for decentralized trials. There's room for hybrid trials. At the end of the day, any which way you look at it, and this is look, it's a personal belief, but I think data so far is bearing it out, I believe that sites are critical, instrumental to clinical research, and clinical research cannot be done categorically completely without sites, right? Therefore, we have to figure out how to enable sites to do things in an easier way, in a faster way. And the feedback that we're getting from sites is that actually the industry is making it more difficult. The industry is adding more complexity. The industry is requiring them, requiring them to do things that in reality, they're already doing in any event. Now they just have to do it again in another system, in, in, through another process. So I think that the, my key takeaway is that we as an industry haven't figured out how to actually connect the ecosystem. And look, it, it's pretty perfunctory to say the connected ecosystem, right? Anybody can say it. The reality is what does it really mean? Interoperability of data, of systems, connectivity between systems, the ability to do work in one system and then have it feed to another system, the ability to actually let these sites bring their own technologies. We, we have this saying, BYOT, bring your own technology. You don't have to be, hold, to be beholden to what the industry forces on you. If you have something that works for you, and look, a great example is, if you look at the academic medical centers, what a lot of sponsors and CROs need to understand is that they need to do their work differently. 50% of their trials are investigator-led, not sponsor-led. A lot of what they do has requirements from an NCI designation, reporting requirements, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not simply say, hey, forget your system, do it in ours. Yours, the CRO and the sponsor, actually doesn't address what the AMC needs to do or what the cancer center needs to do. So I think those are the, the things that really come across Understand, we decide, are your clients, understand what we need. Understand how we operate. Enable us. Um, one of the, and by the way, I'm talking about AMCs. Now, let's move away from AMCs. One of the areas that we're talking a lot about is diversity and inclusion in clinical trials. 
that diversity and inclusion will come typically from community centers, right? Um, they're relatively technology naive, um, certainly don't have the capacity to buy as many technologies. So there it makes sense to give them technologies. But even there, understanding what their requirements are and how they work, you know, there's a staggering statistic, Jared, and I'm sure you, you will have to validate because um, I've heard it and read it in a number of places, that something like 60 or 65% of investigators who go into clinical trials the first time will never do a second trial. And they won't do a second trial because they want to see patients. They want to do work. They don't want to do this sort of system swivel chair thing. So look, I think that the biggest takeaway is we need to listen to sites. The other big takeaway is there is a way to allow the sites to have their own technologies and yet connect with the technologies of the sponsors and the CROs. And by the way, through that, also better engage with the patient. Super interesting. Yeah, it's, um, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to, you know, now that we're, we're talking to stay uh, in touch with you and we can kind of get these updates from you from time to time on, on kind of the state of the industry and where things are at. I, I do uh, want to make sure that um, I'm going to kind of sw not really switch focus. We're, we're still talking about the same stuff, but um, you, you kind of already said this a little bit, but I always like to give anyone that comes on the opportunity to kind of dig a little bit deeper into the company in terms of, you know, where, where would you say Advara plays a role in that, in the clinical trials ecosystem, like sim simply stated. Um, and then, you know, what, what steps, I know you were just saying you, you try to avoid the swivel chair uh, situation. Um, you know, could just add a little bit more onto that if you can, in terms of how are you reducing friction between those, those clinical research stakeholders? Yeah. So maybe, um, so it's a bit of a of an orientation to to the listeners. When you look at Advara, we we actually have two sides of the business, but those two sides are very closely connected. So the first side is what we call review segment. This is where we have a responsibility to the industry, but above all, responsibility to the patient to make sure that every protocol that goes into clinical research that involves a human being that that human subject is protected from an ethical perspective. So the clinical trial is done in such a way that the participant, the patient, the subject is protected um, from an ethical perspective. They're not forced into doing anything they don't want to do, shouldn't do, et cetera. So that's responsibility number one. It's very important in terms of the second part of the business because at the end of the day, everything starts with a protocol. And we're one of the first ones to see that protocol and adjudicate that protocol and, and see what in the protocol is actually not only ethical versus unethical, but also what is burdensome, burdensome to the patient and burdensome to the site, right? So we have really good insights in terms of what goes into these clinical trials. So that's one piece. The other piece is we provide technologies to sites mostly, now to sponsors as well, that enable them to ultimately conduct their clinical trials in the most efficient, compliant way. This is their CTMS, it's their EREG, it's their EDC, um, and it's in sites that are research intensive, not sites that do one or two protocols a year. Some of them do thousands of protocols a year. And we provide them the systems that ultimately become their operating system for clinical trials. Those operating systems connect to their EMR, connect to their financial systems, to their grant systems, et cetera. Um, and when I say bring your own technology, that's their technology. 
by the way, one of the things that we're trying to do is to make sure that those technologies can connect to whatever sponsor and CRO technology is out there. Some of the enablers that we have, whether it's um, through APIs or whether it's through some of the sponsor technologies that we provide sponsors to enable them to better connect with the sites. Everything we do is with site centricity in mind, okay? Now, where both sides of the equation really connect, we have the, the really privileged position in the industry of working closely with, again, all the research intensive sites, every sponsor, every CRO works with us. We see their protocols, we understand how they operate. We know how to make sure that therefore, and by the way, I think we have the obligation, the responsibility to make sure that they therefore enable these sites to operate in a more efficient and effective way. So everything that we do is informed by the protocols that we see, by the sites that we work with. That's our business. Our business is to really connect that ecosystem. Now, on the IRB side, it starts with making it much easier. By the way, easier doesn't mean a lower hurdle of ethics. Um, easier to submit the protocol. Easier to have a conversation around the protocol, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. And then flow that protocol to the site and train the site on that protocol. By the way, not only the site, train the subject, the participant, to not not only on the protocol, but to also understand what is the standard of care and how is this different from the standard of care. So to us, connecting the ecosystem is certainly through technologies, but it's also through knowledge. It's also through relationships. It's also, also through being sort of this, this linchpin that holds together the ecosystem. Well said. I'm, I'm uh, terrible at aimlessly plugging, by the way, Jared. Is no, the I, I, but no. I always say that at some point in the episode, you need to hear that because that's you hear that additional passion in your in your voice and you get excited and uh and and you said it in a in a great way and you also simplified it too which is really great so anyone that's listening that is just learning about the company or that already knows about you can really continue to absorb that um what's what's next that that you're really excited about that you can share with us here today for the company uh, as we wrap up yeah so so look Jared, the, the the next thing is how do we deepen the relationship between the sponsors slash CRO and the sites. How do we enable them to better connect? This whole site engagement, you know, everybody talks about site engagement, everybody talks about patient engagement, go to any sponsor or CRO website and it will say it um, right there. We're focused on the sites, we're focused on the patients. The reality is that I'm not sure it is in the industry, we define what that really means. So part one is defining what that engagement really means. And that engagement means connectivity, that engagement means transparency, that engagement means stronger relationships, that engagement means having that North Star who is the patient, right? Um, and ultimately, what does it mean for the patient? So to us, whether it's our investments in technologies, by the way, this is what I would call sort of organic investments in what we have in our roadmap, or more M&A, it's all going to be around how do we better connect the ecosystem? The second piece is how do we work with the industry to really think about protocol optimization, the leverage of data. Data is so important. By the way, so important not only in terms of identifying patients, which is, you know, you go to the EMR, you go to the various companies that do patient identification, patient recruitment, but also the design of the trial, whether it's synthetic arms, whether it's um, getting much more into real world um, data in, in follow on trials, et cetera. To us, how do we better leverage data to inform 
the design of the protocol, and then the conduct of the trial. So it's a data focus. It's a technology that connects focus, um, but it's also a knowledge focus. It's sharing expertise. It's um, bringing everybody together to the table. I don't for a second believe that we have all the answers. What I do believe is that we're in, again, a privileged position of being able to bring all the players to the table and connecting them. I love it. Well, uh, Gadi, thank you so much for, for joining us on the Bio Breakthroughs podcast. Can't wait to have you on again in the near future, and hopefully we can get you on a panel and we can dig even deeper with a group of folks. Jared, thank you. I really appreciate the, the work that you're doing. Look, again, you're part of that ecosystem. You're helping to progress clinical research. You're helping to progress the science. Um, what I tell everyone is just remember, um, you know a patient, you'll know a patient. One day you will be a patient. These therapies are for all of us. So I appreciate what you're doing as well. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good one.